everybody. It's another week, your favorite time of the week, Mental Matters, another awesome episode with myself, Kimberly from Psyche, and the beautiful, amazing, one-year-older, Gopano. Yes, the last time we spoke, I was 21, now 22, I think. <laughs> I think. Crazy how that happened. I'm not sure. But anyway, hi guys. <laughs> Welcome back to Mental Matters. We are always stoked to have you with us. We are, how many episodes in now? I think we're on our seventh. This is our so I'm not sure. Yeah. But, yeah. and there's 10 episodes in the series. So we're nearing the end. That, that makes me kind of emotional. But as we've known, I am just a generally emotional human being, like we all are. And that is why we're here, to make sure that our mental matches our emotional. Anyway, I'm blabbing. Um, <laughs> I am blabbing. One of my favorite lecturers, uh, not biased whatsoever. Um, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Dr. Mm. T on to Mental Matters today. I'm sure you guys are going to have a good time and you're going to learn so much from her. So yeah, Kim, go ahead with the intro. Yeah, Dr. T. Um, oh, so I also have a bit of personal experience with Dr. T. She's our guardian for Psyche. And uh, as you guys can tell, clearly she's like one of our favorite people. So, you know, yeah. she must now be your favorite Kansen. person as well. <laughs> so yeah, Dr. T, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, if you could just introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about you. Thank you, Kopano. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you on this. Obviously, you know, I think that it's so important that we all talk about mental health issues and particularly in this very strenuous time of the pandemic that just seems to not want to end. Um, to the listeners and the viewers out there, I just wanted to say I am Dr. Chiwase and I work in the philosophy department and I'm also the house guardian for House Humanities uh, and I work with Kim uh, with her society, Psyche Society, which is, I think, everybody should know by now that it is a psychology, de um, psychology department society, mainly for psychology students, but obviously doing wonderful, wonderful work with volunteering and so forth, which has been quite inspiring. Um, I work mostly in issues of identity and personhood. Kopano would know very much about personhood now because we work together for a semester on that topic. And so, um, it's quite an honor for me to be joining you here and talking about what it must be like for us lecturers, but also students to be living and continuing to work during the pandemic. So thank you. That was pretty much the best intro ever. Um, <laughs> before we get into the show, usually we ask like any guests that we have how are you doing like how are you coping how are you this week uh, mentally physically um yeah how are you doing <laughs> um I'm, I'm i'm i've acclimatized yes that's it i've acclimatized to the pandemic i found a rhythm i found a routine i found ways to keep in touch with my friends um you know i'm i'm coping and i think it's it's, it's a new way or a different way of living, but it's also a way that's actually um, taught me to make an effort. So before the pandemic, 
it was easy to see my friends. It was, we bump into each other, whether at the shopping center or we had dates when we knew once a month we meet at a place and we catch up and, and check up on one another. But now it's an added effort. I, I have to remember to call, you know, not just the, the people I work with, but family members and also my friends. So now it's like, there's a routine of once a week, I'm calling this person, that person, that person. Once a week, there's a video call. Once a month, my friends overseas, we have these long uh, video calls because there's so much going on. And also the experience of the pandemic is different from country to country. And the effects on, on, on persons as individuals is also quite different. And so I've graduated. So when, I, when it started in March, I thought, what, what is this? What is going on? How am I going to do this? What do I do now? I'm no longer going to work. I'm no longer driving. Like, what, what is this? And then, you know, we, um, learning to live on, online, right? I had to work on and I was teaching Copano. So we, we were the first cohort that had to move to remote learning, but it was such an abrupt move. And at the same time, you're thinking, do all my students have uh, data are all of them going to be able to connect why do I teach those who can't connect what do I do for those who don't have data so it's a lot it was a lot of work in in, in April and May but mostly with um, uh, priority for students because I was teaching at the time um, and then I got to learn afterwards how to do this how to work from home that was the second part of it right was the first part is how to live with others in a distance. But the second part was what, how do I work from home? You know, I had a clear separation. I go to work in the morning, I come back in the evening, and my home is my little, um, what's it? My little area of peace. This is where I don't have anybody asking me for a document. I don't have a student asking me to explain a particular concept. I don't have to work, you know? Um, and so having to bring work into my home was another challenge. Uh, but I can safely say now that I am, I think of myself as living at work now. So, and I've made it work. I've separated spaces in my house. So my study, when I'm in my study, I'm not playing, I'm working. When I'm in my lounge, I'm relaxing. When I'm in my bedroom, I'm sleeping. So I've had to make those, because I, I, I need that kind of clear separation in order to function. And before I had it with the driving to work and driving back home. Now it's just a separation of, of spaces. I've dedicated different spaces where I live for particular um, functions. But overall, I can really say now that I'm, I've acclimatized, I've got a good routine, and I feel settled. In the, I know it, it sounds horrible, but I'm settled in the pandemic. Sure. I think, um, yeah, like everything you're saying, we can all really learn from in terms of like being able to separate our spaces as well. And like you're saying, just acclimatizing. Hopefully with mental matters and, and the work that we've been doing and all of this, we've kind of learned from the different experts how to acclimatize a bit better. Mm -hmm. But it's so awesome to hear that you're doing well and that you're in a good place right now. Um, so just jumping into today's topic, Guys, this is a bit of a treat. So Dr. T is, as you heard, expert in philosophy. So today's episode is very philosophical. Okay. I'm so very excited. T. Personally, Dude. I'm <laughs> 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 like, 
So the topic today is basically what can we expect from the people around us with the lowering levels of lockdown. So as you guys know, we've got, we've moved now from level four, level three, and now we're on level two. And there's talks of possibly going into level one. And then almost like a subsection of that topic is how can we safely make the most of these lowering levels of lockdown? So I think we all have an idea of what we want to do. Like I remember the day level two was announced. I don't know about you guys, but suddenly it felt like the fleet, the streets were flooded. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> no, like literally everything changed. Everything. Yeah, that's um, true. And so, yeah, I, th- I think we want to know how do we safely though, make the most of it, you know, um, there's there's making the most of it then we're safely making the most of it so our first question today again just drawing on your expertise and philosophy um every few centuries there seems to be some sort of pandemic you know we have the black plague we have you know all sorts of things that have happened and yet when COVID 19 happened it felt like it was coming out of nowhere it was like we never expected it um we were all shook <laughs> can yeah. you maybe just enlighten us from a philosophical perspective or even like a social perspective why did it feel like that why did it feel like we we had we weren't prepared enough for this um you know i think first of all that is such a good question um this is not new. Pandemics are not new. We've been having pandemics and epidemics since prehistorical times. And I think COVID-19 is not even the worst. Probably, mm, if you look at the, the, the number of deaths, COVID-19 has not killed as many people as, for instance, the Spanish flu did. Because the Spanish flu, I think it wiped up about a third of of the country's population. Um, That could be anything between 20 and 30 million people at the time. And I mean, that was in the early 20th century. So 1918 or something, somewhere around there. And now we we fast forward to, to the 21st century and here we are facing Uh, another pandemic, right? So we've gone through the swine flu, we've gone through polio, we've gone through the flu pandemic, we've gone through AIDS. We're actually living with the pandemic, if we look at AIDS. We've been through, um, uh, remember the Zika virus, which which hit South America, it was in Brazil and so forth. So we've been through a couple of these pandemics. And if you look at the numbers and compare the numbers, then um, COVID is not really considered the worst of the pandemics, right? But it's still quite bad. And of course, it makes it um, necessary to talk about why it feels like it came from nowhere. And I think it's because maybe there's a level of um, comfort and maybe a level of complacency, and I, and, I, and I mean complacency not in the, in, in the worst way, but we, we tend to live every day and take for granted that things could go wrong, right? We, we live positively. Um, so every day we expect some, you know, good things and so forth. And if it's a bad thing that we expect, maybe it's going to be, you know, a tire puncture. Okay, there are worse things, death, and but not caused by a pandemic, right? A pandemic and the way that... that, that um, what is this, that uh, COVID-19 hit us was also very quick. We didn't have time to adjust. Whereas with other things, you sort of have with other unfortunate events on, in daily life, you've got a bit of a chance to adjust. But here we didn't. And all of a sudden, the things that we, we value most, like freedom of movement, 
was taken away. Um, the luxury of, of being able to buy a drink was taken away. The luxury of going out for dinners and lunches was taken away. The comfort of being around people you love was taken away. So all these things were being taken away, but all at the same time. So it hits you like a, like a buzz. It hits you hard because now you have to learn a new way to live. So it's almost as if it comes from nowhere because it's like a, a storm that just changes everything in one fell swoop. And I think one of the things that we've had to do as, as um, citizens in, in South Africa is learn not to be sociable. And the thing about the South African nation is that we're sociable people. We find every reason to celebrate birthdays, weddings, promotions, um, you name it. We, we look for reasons to be outdoors. We like our picnics. We like our um, music concerts. We, we, we just like being around each other. And this was taken away from. So the frustration of not being able to move freely, interact with people freely. And then you add to that the economic strain of people who lost their jobs or people who suddenly had their salaries cut because um, the companies could not afford to pay them 100% of their salaries. So suddenly what it means to be a human being, what it means to be, and, and if you look back to even philosophers like Aristotle and so forth, they mainly define humans as social animals. So all of a sudden, part, a very central part of who we are as humans is taken away by this, by this virus, a virus that people don't understand. They don't really have concrete evidence of where exactly it comes from or where it started. And they're still trying to find the cure. And there isn't even confidence that there'll be a cure, maybe just the vaccine, right? So we've been changing. We've been on lockdown for 160, 70 days. That's a long time. And each one has been a wave, right? So it was lockdown five and lockdown four and lockdown three, you know, and so forth. And the first thing that hit South Africans was obviously the ban on alcohol and, and um, what you call this, and cigarettes, right? It was taken away. And then it was, when we got it back, suddenly there was a spike in accidents and more infections and so forth. Remember, and the president shut it down again. Yes. But the... Problem with doing that, it's like taking away something that a child loves very much. The day you give it back to them, they overdo it. And that's what happened with our societies, that our freedom was taken away, our luxuries were taken away, and when we suddenly got them, we immediately rushed to enjoy them. And the consequences of that, of course, were car accidents and you know, non-COVID-related deaths and so forth. But I think one of the things that, that sort of hit me during the pandemic was the stats on gender-based violence, right? So, and, and this starts, and I had a conversation with a colleague about this just a week ago, and it was the issue around what is a safe space in, in COVID during the pandemic? We, we often, so I speak of my home as a safe space, for instance, right? But there are people whose homes are actually dangerous spaces. That's where they get beaten up. That's where they get raped. That's where they get abused. And now the lockdown or the pandemic has taken that and made it the only place that they can be, right? So for the longest time, for the past three months or more, they've been locked up with their abusers. And I don't know if you, you heard, but um, 
Recently, there was a woman who got shot at the police station by her husband. She was reporting uh, uh, um, what's it, domestic violence, and she got shot and killed in a police station. So suddenly, what it means to have a safe space during the pandemic becomes something of the unknown. And, and, and so there are lots of frustrations that actually come with the pandemic that make it seem like it's something that, that is of a punishment or it's something that is really just harmful and not just in the way of infecting people, but it's harmful in such, in many other social and political ways and, and also economic ways. So the pandemic as a whole has, has just cast a new way for us to see what life is, what life means, what life is. And also I think it's forcing us to reinvent ourselves, right? So think about people who, who um, events coordinators, for instance, or people in the tourism, and, um, tourism industry in general. They, because the lockdown put that limit of uh, 50 people in a gathering, it affected them. Now they have to reinvent themselves in a time when starting your own business in events coordination or opening a guest house was the reinvention. Now it's no longer valid. Now it's no longer useful. Now those, those avenues that they had started to, 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 to pursue are now fruitless. So there's a lot that the pandemic is actually forcing upon us to rethink how we live with others, but also to rethink our own futures and to rethink what it means to actually survive or exist in the world. Wow. Okay. Yo, um, that, that was all very, I think we forget sometimes that like life is very, it's, a, it's sort of like a luxury, a weird luxury, or the things that we have to be able to move around, to be able to see people, to be able, and then this all um, sort of made us realize like our behavior is actually very much dependent on the aspects around us, the governance around us, the, you know, utility that we have access to. And I think also said with how, you know, alcohol was taken away and given back to us. Um, somebody said on Twitter, they should have had behavioral specialists mm. on the COVID um, what is it that team that has been telling us what's happening and whatever like because then they would have understood that listen if you're going to do something like this you're probably going to do more harm than good and when you mm -hmm. speak to people who are in the healthcare sector for example like my mom she's like the moment that alcohol came back you had so many trauma cases that even if somebody came in with something COVID related they like you could barely do anything for them because now you have to deal with bullets and knives and all of these yeah. weird things. So it really has shown, I think, our social standings and how we mm. interpret fun and a good life to be, I guess. Um, but in the beginning, you spoke about how you sort of, it was very difficult for you to, first of all, adjust into what we are right now. So now we're at level two. And now we sort of need to readjust and all readjust to normal life, but basically to lower levels. Um, I don't know if lower levels necessarily equates normal life, but yeah. Um, what should we be sort of looking out for within ourselves and what should we be not expecting of ourselves in this readjustment? You know, I think it's so... Um, I'm glad you mentioned the fragility of life, but also the relevance of behavioral 
studies or considerations during the pandemic? Because this is exactly what we should all be focusing on, right? So we're living in a society with a pandemic, but we have people who still think that it's not real, right? So we still have people who doubt the reality of the pandemic, but also we have people who don't quite understand what the the problem or how to manage, how to manage the pandemic or how to manage, the, you know, if you have an infection, for instance, right, that you have to self-isolate and all of that. There are still people who don't think they need to do that, especially if they're asymptomatic, right? It's like, oh, but I feel fine. This thing can't be real. So those people are actually dangerous to society because then they don't, they don't stick to the regulations of self-isolation, which means that even as they're sick, they're interacting with other people and then they're spreading the, the, the virus. So one of the things that I think people need to look out for is just how to keep yourself um, uh, safe. So for instance, the, the idea of wearing a mask every time you go out, the practice of sanitizing and washing your hands, I think those things are things that people must always remember to do because those are the basic um, ways in which we can limit the spread, right? So it doesn't stop the spread, but it limits the spread. But one other thing we have to be really cognizant of is that we all have different interpretations of what it means to be sick with, with, with COVID, or rather what it means to live with, um, with COVID. And some of the, the reasons that we approach this illness differently has to do with our views on our religious views, for instance, or our cultural views, or you know any other kind of system of beliefs that we have taken on to guide our lives is actually one that um, that, that, that 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 takes center stage when we're thinking about how to live with the pandemic. I recently read um, a, 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 a a blurb on Twitter where a Pope said that the pandemic only infects the homosexual people. And then you know how, yes, I know it's ridiculous, but ironically, he caught COVID, right? He got infected. So it becomes, it becomes one of those things where you're like, okay, Pope, does that mean that you're not homosexual? So there's really like these weird ways in which people think that make it difficult to actually figure out how to live with others in the pandemic. And the lower the, 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 the levels go, it appears that the freer people think they are. So in South Africa, or at least in Gauteng, what I noticed is that the moment they introduced level two, um, it was almost tantamount to the government saying the COVID is over. Because people started socializing freely. People were not wearing masks all the time. Or people wear the mask and they put it just below their mouth. And the point, then I'm like, what's the point, right? You're supposed to cover your mouth and your nose. But people are, are not as careful as they should be. And I think that is part of the danger. But some part of me understands that, right? It's the frustration of for how long are we going to stay in our houses? For how long are we going to, 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 to behave well and be extra careful when we don't even know when this thing is going to go away. What if the COVID ends up as a pandemic like AIDS, where we are living with AIDS? We have found ways to live, live long with, with HIV. Um, so 
it's a very difficult thing to say what people should expect from others because of the differences in our beliefs and the differences in the principles that we follow to guide how we live our lives. Sure, I think whew, that that really does actually answer a lot of questions. I was literally, as you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, but what about this? And you were answering it as we were talking. Um, yeah, I think as you're saying, it's it's very difficult to then know what we can expect from others and ourselves in a, in a time and in a situation where we don't know what to expect from anything. Like anything could or could not happen. Um, so then I think my final question is, okay, so the pandemic isn't over and we're currently still living with it and possibly will be living with it, as you mentioned. How do we actually stress the importance of that to our family and to to the people our, our loved ones um especially like you were saying the, the only thing we can really control is us being safe and us keeping safe how do we communicate that with our family and loved ones who might not be as you know uh, yeah taking it as seriously especially right now mm-hmm. so this is such a complex question because I've actually been in situations where I'm like, you tested positive, auntie, so you can't hug me. And she she couldn't quite understand why I was being distant, right? So for her, it felt like a rejection. So there's a there's a deep human need to connect. And 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 the, the, the pandemic has sort of served that. So people people are desperate to feel cared for to feel loved and the way that we generally show that in in with people that we we are close to is through touch and the pandemic is saying no touch and i think people are finding it's a dissociative kind of existence right so there's certain things we need that make us happy or that get us through the day and the pandemic is telling us we can't have those when we need it most so think about what you need when you're sick right need someone to to hug you and hold you tell you it's going to be okay and the pandemic is saying for you to survive the pandemic you need to pull away from people you need to isolate you need to be alone so the coping mechanism that is needed when someone is sick is not one that applies with covid so to 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 now um support people you just call them or you text them you whatsapp them you have your video calls and so forth but it's not quite what we need. It's not quite how we do things, right? So the difficulty with communicating that to to, to family is that how do you love them from a distance? How do you reassure them they'll be okay without being there, without seeing them in in person? And it's that in-person contact that I think makes it difficult for people to accept that um, you don't want to hug them or or see them or stand too close to them and so forth and wear a mask the whole time. And I think what what we can do is just to keep saying it. Keep saying it until it sinks in. Keep saying it. Keep your distance. Um, uh, you know, do the elbow greetings and so forth. But I don't think there's anything because the only way that we do communicate as humans is through language. So the language is the only tool that we have to remind our loved ones that we have to be extra careful. And the language can be written and it can be expressed verbally or it can be expressed with your bodily movements, right? So um, 
it's going to feel weird for a long time. But the only way that we can make sure that it sinks in is to just say it enough times and hope that it will land on on unreceptive ears. Wow. Um, Dr. T, funny enough, and I think we have like literally like two minutes left. So I'm going to squeeze in a question because I really feel like I need to. Do you think that COVID has a potential of altering um, our identities, our social habits, our ability to interact with people? Um, yeah. In like it already has. It already has. It really has. So, I mean, we no longer do things the same. You get into a shopping. Now there's protocol for everything. You get into a store. You can't go in if you don't have a mask. You go, so I'll use um, Dischem, for instance. When I go to Dischem, I have myself. My mother's a sign that says you can't be there if you're not. If they are full to capacity, you have to wait in a queue. Mm? Uh, when you get there, you need to have your basket sprayed. You need to have your hands sprayed. And then you need to take a little peg because that's how they know whether they're full capacity or not. Right? So you take a peg and at the end you have to give it back. But even when you're inside the store, you must move in a particular way. So just shopping has taken a completely different um, uh, what's it, practice. Um, you think about... Uh, people have to go into taxis, for instance, right, to get to work or wherever else. They need to wear masks. Taxi drivers must now drive 70%. I think it's changed now, but, you know, I think level two, level three and four, it was 70% capacity. And so the way we understand making money now is different. We are more patient. We were just speaking a little earlier that we've become more patient as people because we realize that life is difficult. Life is hard. And so... In my view, just in brief, COVID has already changed our lives. Wow. With all of that being said, yeah. Oh, thank you. Before we are cut off, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for joining us, for taking time out of your schedule. We know it's a very hectic schedule, um, but you took time and you really shared a lot with us that I'm pretty sure is going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. Really it has it. been an absolute pleasure. And I hope you'll invite me back again to talk about something more fun. Yes. Absolutely. Inside. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in. That was another episode of Mental Matters. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>